learn is when you come to this church, you better be prepared to get up and pray. <laughs> especially, especially if you're in the splash zone. <laughs> the first, yeah, those first rows or two, you, get, you know, you're in the splash zone, so be, be ready. Always be ready. We are deep in the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> uh, as we have been for the past year, and we are now concentrating on the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is teaching us to pray, and it is the greatest prayer ever given. It is the model prayer in terms of everything that we do. And so we have so much to learn, and this is part three of that study, which relates to give us this day our daily bread. Uh, so now if you would turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 9, I just want to go through the Lord's Prayer again to get to the point to where we are. Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And that's what we're going to focus on again as we've done for the past two weeks. We're going to continue to do that today. Give us this day our daily bread. And so let me begin to tie up what we've been learning about this, this lesson about give us this day our daily bread. And so Jesus gives us this prayer and he speaks to us as we've learned in the Bible. Jesus speaks to us on multiple levels. Yes, Jesus is speaking, first of all, about asking for our daily bread. Get your necessities, your food, your clothing, your shelter, all the things that you need to survive in this world. Your needs, not your wants, because you have a long list of wants. You know that. We always go through that, oh God, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. If you would make me affluent, I could give so much more to the kingdom. There's no telling how powerful I would be, and God knows. He sees around the corner and down the bend in 5, 10, 20 years down the line, and he knows that if he gave you what you just asked for, it would ruin your, your uh, message. It would ruin your ministry. It would erode the work that God has for you. And so we ask God for our daily bread. Give us our daily needs. And as we do this, uh, as we make this prayer, I love that prayer that we studied in Proverbs. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Oh, gosh, that's a prayer that we would ask God to someday give us the grace to make. Give me neither poverty nor riches. You know, it's, we got the poverty part down. Lord, don't make me poor. But it's hard to say, Lord, don't give me riches. That's, the hard, that's a harder prayer to make unless, unless you say, Lord, give me what you want me to have. Give me what you will, Lord, for my spiritual life. And that's, that's the prayer that's part and parcel of give us this day our daily bread. And so we've examined also, as we've come to this point in the lesson, we've examined the history of the Jewish people. We have seen how God took them 40 years across a desert, some 3 million people, and delivered them every day for 40 years manna and quail, as if it were on schedule, being delivered every day, enough to feed three million people. Three million people for 40 years. An extraordinary miracle. 
that God would take care of them. And so every day manna was given to them. And we know that even though that was given to them, they grumbled and complained. Grumbled and complained all the way through the desert, never really focusing on the blessings of God that, was, that there existed this incredible miracle of sustenance. And so when we saw how Moses reminded them 40 years later, as they were about to pass into the promised land, he reminds them of what God did for them. And let's begin the lesson today by turning to Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 8. Beginning in verse 2. As God, through Moses, is reminding them of what he did for them. This, look at the blessings that I've given you. And, and, and so Moses basically gives them a retroactive look a retrospective look at what they've been through. In verse 2, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you, underline that, and to test you, underline that, in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. God kept you in the desert and sustained you with his daily bread so that you would recognize the importance of God. He would humble you. He would test you so that you would become reliant upon him. And understand that it's God doing this. Don't focus on the bread. Focus on God. Whether or not you would keep his commands, verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's the essence of this lesson. Man does not live on bread alone. Yes, God sustained you. Yes, he brought you the bread. He provided you shelter. He provided you with protection. But don't focus don't focus on the physical. Man does not live in the physical realm. Man does not live in bread alone, but man lives on the word of God, every, every word from the mouth of God that becomes the bread of life. And you know, as we studied this lesson, we saw how Jesus, 1,200 years later, 1,200 years later, Jesus repeats these very words in Luke chapter 4, he repeats these words when Satan is there with him out in the wilderness. He's there out in the wilderness spending 40 days, 40 nights without any food, without any sustenance and now Satan comes because Satan comes when you're at your weakest. And Satan says to Jesus, knowing he hasn't eaten, you know you have the power to take these stones and turn these stones into bread. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, Jesus replies, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. Jesus, in that one, one sentence, repeats what Moses had told the people of Israel. So what do you see there? You have God himself, through Jesus Christ, affirming Scripture. 1,200 years later, affirming Scripture. And so, folks, here's the deal, and this is important for you. When you go out in the world and you have friends that tell you, oh, the Bible is just, you know, it's a bunch of fairy tales written by men. All right, don't get so hung up on the Bible. It's really a bunch of fables. Look, folks, Bible's written over 1,600 years. 
on three different continents by 40 separate authors and 66 different books in different languages, in different cultures, nobody knowing each other. And what do you have? One continuous thread. Jesus Christ, Son of God, coming to save the world from Genesis to Revelation. Amen? Yes, amen is right. That's what you have. You don't have any other book like that. There's no other book like that that you can say has that, that continuity over generation after generation. In America, we look and say 200 years, oh, it's so old, and here you have 1,600 years, and you understand exactly what God is doing. And so now, really, now we're going to focus on Jesus telling us precisely what the bread of life is. Give us this day our daily bread, and Jesus now is going to tell you, he's going to answer that prayer for you, as he's going to lay out in detail precisely what the bread of life is about. Turn with me, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And this is going to be the principal area we're going to camp out today on as we study what the bread of life is about. Give us this day our daily bread. Now let me set up for you where we are on, in chapter 6. What has just taken place? Jesus has had a pretty busy day. He's just fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes. Not bad. He, and after, as a start, that was a starter. And then they gathered up what was left over, and there were 12 baskets left over. Can you imagine? All right? That was the starter of the day. Then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the disciples uh, took off in a boat, went out to, to sea in the lake, and Jesus then effectively walked from the shoreline out to find the boat some great distance. He walked on the water. Pretty good day. Now, now he's back. He's back on land. And now the Jewish multitude is now basically demanding more. We want more. We want more bread. We want more miracles. We want to see the manifestation of the miracles. It wasn't enough what you did yesterday. We want more. You actually really try to manipulate God. God helped them. And so let's begin to read John chapter 6, verse 30. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Now, can you imagine? What miraculous sign? Where were you yesterday? 5,000 people, five loaves, two fishes, not good enough, but you see, you see how people are deluded, how, how, how all they did was wait for the next miracle, how they were focusing, focusing on the physical aspect of the miracle. What will you do? What will you do, Jesus? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat, verse 33. 30, uh, 32, rather. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Do you see what's gone on here? These people are missing the Son of God because their eyes are on physical bread, their eyes are on physical manifestation, and they're still looking at Moses. Moses who pointed the way there would be a greater prophet than me. There will be a greater prophet, and yet they're focusing on Moses. Uh, and now the Son of God has arrived on the scene, and they will miss their appointment. For the bread of God is he 
who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Underline that verse. There it is. You want to understand what it is that you're praying for? Give us this day our daily bread. After you get through the physical issues and needs of your life, this is the true bread of life. This is what you're asking God to give you. You're asking God, you're saying, God, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life, life, and I'll put everlasting, eternal life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. You understand again? They missed it. Give us this physical loaf of bread. It sounds like a good loaf of bread to have. I'd like to have that loaf of bread. And Jesus, again, must, it must have been amazing for Jesus to have to constantly speak to them and talk to them and that they never understood it. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. You understand now Jesus has raised it. He's not talking about this world. Yes, I'll take care of your physical needs, but forget your physical needs. Lift your eyes up. Look to the sky. Look to eternity. Understand where your soul's going to be. And so Jesus is telling them they will never be hungry. They'll be never thirsty if they rely on Jesus. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe because you're tied up in your cultural religion because you're tied up in your forefathers, in your past, in your traditions, and your history. And you talk about Moses, and you talk about the 40 years, and you talk about the manna, and the Son of God is standing there next to you, and you're blind. You're blind. Oh, God, deliver us from this. Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anybody who comes to Jesus will be accepted. Anyone. I don't care who he is. I don't care what his nationality is. I don't care what his past is. I don't care what he's done. If you come to Jesus, he will never turn you away. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. I will not lose one, not one of them that God has sent me, that have accepted me as their savior, that have accepted God, that has come through grace and accepted by faith Jesus Christ. And I hold them in my, my palm of my hand. Not one of them will be lost. That's your eternal security. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so now we see the true understanding of give us this day our daily bread, the true spiritual significance of what this is about. They had been taught. The Jewish people had been taught by their rabbis that when the Messiah would come, he would uh, replicate and duplicate some of the uh, miracles. One of them would be the giving of manna. Well, in fact, he did the miracle the day before. He took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 people. 
You want the miracle? There's the miracle. And yet their eyes were blind. Their eyes were blind. And so Jesus understood that they were trying to manipulate him. They were trying to manipulate him. And, 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 and it was an incredible, arrogant act that we see. And so in order to understand this, this message, in order to understand our daily bread and what God gives us, and when we make that prayer and what God is trying to teach us, we need to understand a few predicates. And one of the first predicate is understanding what it is when you are born in this world, how are you designed? That's the first thing I want to tell you. Because in this world, we have spent eons telling people, reinforcing people through our own man-made philosophy that there is no God, that this world just happened by accident, that this is all just one big uh, accident, one occurrence after another. You can't rely on the Bible. And so this is how our cultures, and you see it now in secularism in the United States, really lifted up our philosophies, have eliminated God. Well, I want to show you that when you understand this passage and what God has said, how it all comes together. Turn with me, please, to John. Go back a few pages, a few chapters, to John chapter 1. Because here's the underlying truth. God has designed you with a built-in receiver. Every human being in the world, I don't care where you are, I don't care when you were born, I don't care if you're in the deepest part of the Congo, if you have never seen any kind of Western civilization, I don't care. God has designed you with a receiver, with a hole in your heart, effectively, that says, I need God. Now, you may not call God Jehovah. You may not know that it's Jesus Christ, this is Son and God. You may not know the mechanics of theology, but you have been designed, every human being, with that intention. And so let me show this to you because it's important as you begin to understand what we're speaking about here in this lesson. For example, look at uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. And now in this chapter, the Apostle John first speaks about uh, John the Baptist in verse 8, but then he quickly moves on to Jesus Christ. Verse 8, he himself, meaning John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. I prefer the King James Version on this, which says, He is the light, Jesus Christ, is the light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into this world. You understand effectively what that means? No one, no one can say that they are totally ignorant of the fact that there is a God, that there is a greater being, that there is a creator. Not when, in fact, you have been designed like that. You've been designed that way. And that's why, and this is a very simple reason why, when you see people that have every possible aspect of affluence, all kinds of power and all kinds of prestige, and yet what do you see? An overwhelming sense of sadness time and time again. Why? Because they've refused to accept this transistor that's in their heart, that's designed them to seek God. And that's why you have to understand this lesson as we build to understanding the aspect of give us this day our daily bread. 
why God has designed us this way. And, and so this is an important understanding. Jesus, God himself, has put that light in every single human being's heart. Now, how does that come about? How does that work? Well, turn with me first to Romans chapter 1. And again, this is important because this is the predicate for understanding exactly what Jesus is doing in giving us a daily bread. Romans chapter 1. Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. How do you like that? They're suppressing the truth of God by the very existence of their wickedness. Sin itself, sin itself is destroying the reality of God, and they're purposely doing it. Verse, verse 19, since what may be known about God, and pay attention to this, since what may be known about God, and he's writing this, he's talking right now about pagans. This is about pagans he's speaking to. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Amen? You understand how powerful this verse is? Effectively, what, what Paul is saying here is, I don't care where you are. I don't care what part of the world you're in, what books you've read. When you're there, God has designed it and put in your heart this mechanism that says, oh, look at the sun. It rises every day across the sky. And look at the moon. It comes up. And look at the tides. Look at the mountains. Look at the oceans. Look at the crops that grow every day. I don't care who you are. I don't care what lack of education you have. But you're there and you see with your senses the very masterpiece of God painted, painted on the canvas of the world. Painted on the canvas of the world. And you're there and you see it. You're there and you see it. So you're not without an excuse. You're not without an excuse, and you understand this. And this is an important aspect to understand, is Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You've been designed to seek me. You're wired to seek me. There's no excuse for you in not seeking me. You need to look at the creation itself. What a powerful presentation of God speaking. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need missionaries. Of course we need missionaries. We want to be able to bring people closer to Jesus. But what I'm saying is this. God has set you up so that where you are, you have recognized someone bigger than you is involved in creating you. That's the truth. That's the truth. And as you understand this, turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 16. And here's what I tell you. How the Bible says things over and over and over again. And you want to get a confirmation of what Paul says? Here's a confirmation of what Paul says, written 800 years before. That's how God works. Here's a confirmation of what you just read in Romans. 
It's found in Psalms, all right, by David. King David writes the following, verse 1, Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Can, I, can you say this any better? Can it be any clearer? They're actually speaking to you. Just like you've seen that he is the light that lighteth every heart. Just like Paul has said, the, the canvas of God is painted before you in the world. And now he's telling you that the actual creation itself is speaking, speaks to us. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Oh, my. Wow. There is no language. There is no speech where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Amen? What a powerful, what a powerful picture of what God is doing and how God is speaking to our hearts. And so... Jesus, going back to now, John chapter 6, turn back again, back to that core passage we're focusing on today. John chapter 6, where Jesus now tells us that he is the bread of life. Jesus is focusing here, directing his marks to the real spiritual issue. He tells them in verse 32, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. You're worshiping Moses. You're focusing on Moses because Moses delivered, was the delivery boy that God used to give you the manna. He's given you the manna, and you're focusing on that because you see the bread, the physical bread. Well, you're missing the whole point. Moses didn't give them the bread. God, my Father, gave them the bread. That's who gave them the bread. And here's the issue. Don't miss, don't miss the, the message because of the bread itself. Don't miss the bread because Jesus is saying, this is spiritual bread, has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. The true bread, not the physical bread that has grain in it, but the true, spiritual, eternal, life-giving bread, Jesus Christ my, himself. As you take Jesus in and you believe in Jesus, that's the bread that Jesus is saying. And when you say, give us this day our daily bread, Lord, as you're making that prayer, this is exactly what you're praying for. This is what you should be praying for. Yes, take care of my needs, Lord, but more important, take care of my spirit. Take care of my spirit. And so, as Jesus says there in verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. There it is. There it is. He's laying it out. He who comes down from God, sent from God to give very life itself to the world that's dying in despair, that's lost, that has no chance to see God, but for Jesus Christ, the true bread of life. And so Jesus is saying now in verse 35, verse 35, and let's read it. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Who speaks like this? Who talks like this? You don't see this in any other religious movement. There is no other religious movement in which you have the religious leader himself saying that I am the bread of life. I am the son of God. I am life itself. 
I am eternal life. You can't find that in any other religion. Nobody else can say that because only one could say it. Only the Son of God could say it. And so Jesus saying here on verse 35, I am the bread of life. This saying, or Jesus says this here, is the first of seven sayings in John's gospel. I consider these the most profound, deepest sayings anywhere made at any time in this world. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. Amen? I mean, these words are so powerful. When you see them, you should barely be able to keep yourself in that seat. Honestly, when you understand what God himself is saying to you there, how he's speaking to your heart, how he's telling you, make no mistake about it. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the vine. There's no other way to get to God except through me. Folks, that's it. Period. End of story. Oh, wouldn't it be nice, though? Wouldn't it be good? So philosophical, so politically correct. We have so many good friends. They don't think the way we do. Wouldn't it be nice you would be able to say to them, well, you know, that's okay. There's not one way. You're a good person. God will judge you by your good, your good works. You know, folks, when you say that, when you go along with that, honestly, you're bringing people to hell. Honestly, I want to tell you that. I mean, you're not loving people. Here's what you should say instead. I love you as a friend. I love you as a brother. I love you as a sister. I love you as, as one of my family members. And all I can tell you is it's not my words, it's Jesus' words. These aren't your words. You're not the one telling them this. Jesus Christ himself said this. That's what makes this so extraordinary. God came to this world and is giving this message. And so when Jesus spoke of himself as the bread, he was using an image which every first century Jew understood. Everyone understood it. Bread was effectively necessary for life. We cannot have life without Jesus Christ. There's no exception. We cannot have it. This is part of your prayer. Jesus is the bread of life. Without him, you will be spiritually dead. Another aspect of the bread, and again, this would be understood if you were a first century Jew, is that the bread would be eaten daily. Jesus understood that metaphor. This brings us into the area of Christian life. And this is an important thing because so many of us have friends and some of us fall into this uh, root ourselves, which believe once I've been given my heart to God, I got my diploma, and now I can move on with the things of my life. I don't necessarily have to focus anymore on them spiritual things because God knows I've accepted Jesus. What a complete misconception of the absolute adventure of life. You aren't graduating. You just got into kindergarten. Seriously, you've just been given admission into the most elite private school that there is, the school of Jesus Christ. And you got in not because you had good grades or because you had a good IQ. You got in because Jesus paved the way for you to get in. It's that simple. You're in kindergarten. 
And now you're going to start on the most absolutely incredible adventure of your life. You're going to serve Jesus Christ in this world, in this evil, sin-filled world, and you are going to man maneuver through evil, and you are going to be his agent. You are going to represent him. And yes, somebody said in my early class, but it's so hard. Yeah, you think it's hard? Try going it without him. That's really hard. That's what's hard. Go try taking this tour without him. Try being out in the world when you, when you face adversity, when you face sickness, when you face disappointment, and you don't have the assurance of Jesus Christ. Then see how hard it is. Thank God we have our Lord and Savior with us on this, on this trip as we do this, as we go through this most incredible adventure. And so what we understand here is this is a daily metaphor. Jesus expects us to eat of the bread daily. And here's what that means. It means you get out of bed in the morning and you're like a pail that has a hundred holes in it. Okay? The spirit has been drained out of you. You put your foot on the ground. You're weak. You're, you're ready to be tempted. You can't seem like you can put another step in front of yourself and then you ask God to give you the grace and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes and sustains you and lifts you up and affirms you. And every day, every hour of the day, you should continue to be making that prayer in, in communion with Jesus as you do that and the pail fills up. Because how can you live in this sin-filled world without having that pail filled up? It's, it's too impossible to understand. And so you understand that this is a daily walk, a daily exercise. It brings us into an ongoing, living relationship with Jesus Christ in which we go on feeding on him daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is reminding us every day, get your ration, fill up, put your spirit at ease, fill up through the Holy Spirit, commune, read the Bible, Read the Bible, pray, go to Bible studies, be with affirming Christians, be with people that raise you up and lift you up, be with the kind of people that help to point the way. Go to church, worship, sing the hymns, do all these things in a daily walk with Jesus Christ. And so you put these two texts together. Give us this day our daily bread in the text, I am the bread of life. And what do you understand? What do you see? First you see that God will take care of your bodies. He'll take care of your physical needs. He'll take care of what he determines you need. However, God does much more. He takes care of your spiritual needs. And this is really what, what's the most important aspect of understanding it. It's the key aspect. And here's the other aspect of understanding bread. Why Jesus used this metaphor of bread. When you take bread and you take it daily, you will grow. It produces growth. The cells multiply. The body is protected as you eat bread. And so why in this world, in this country specifically, do we have such an anemic brand of Christianity? You hear people say, oh, I'm a Christian, and you, and you know. You look at them. There's no Christianity like you ever knew. You see people in churches. The churches are dead. Churches are dead. Churches are not being used to go out in the world. You, you, you're not going to hear like what you heard this morning, a sermon like you've heard this morning. You're going to go to plenty of churches in America and you're not going to hear that. Frankly, there's some churches you're going to go, you're not even going to hear about Jesus. I told you the story in my town, Montclair, New Jersey, that during the storm Sandy, when, when the, uh, 
the power was out for 12 days. And the local Methodist church, I'm sad to say, decided that they would open their doors for the local Jewish congregation so that the Jewish congregation would have a place to worship. Amen. God bless them. Yes, that's what we're called to do. Oh, one slight hitch. They decided they needed to take down the two crosses in the sanctuary. Take the two crosses down. You see, mm, we want to be politically correct. See, you put that cross up there, and you know what? Mm, people start flinching. They feel uncomfortable. Yes, they feel uncomfortable, because look what the word says. I am the gate. I am the life. You don't take the cross down. You keep the cross up because the cross is the very reason you've opened the door to the church. Why do you think you opened the door to the church? Because Jesus is in your heart, and you love, and that's why you do it. And that's what the symbols that we have in this church represent when you see that cross. You understand this. And so you see another aspect of, of bread. And so this is why in this, in this country right now we're not growing spiritually. We're not feeding on the bread of life. We're not. We're missing it. We're looking to people. We're looking to leaders. We're looking at self-help books. Oh, let me see a book that can help me get inside my body, get a better understanding of myself. Let me read these kind of books. It's very affirming. I can read these things. And I feel so much better. Folks, you want to feel better? Read the Bible. I told you myself that since the election, I've turned off, I've turned off the news. Election night, after it was over, that was it for me. I'm done. I'm done. Really, I mean it. I don't watch the news anymore. Why? Because I've recognized that most probably, as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, it's probably likely that I will never be able to vote again for a winning candidate that will be in conformity with God's word. And you know what? So be it. All right? So be it. Because you know what? We're called to a greater work. We're called to a greater work. We're called to the universal church of Jesus Christ. We're called for eternity. All right? Really. Political parties come and go. Good. Support them. Do what you can. Vote for them. But don't get so obsessed in it and your whole world is focused down. Because you see exactly what happened with the Jewish people. They were looking at Moses. They're looking at the worldly leaders and missing the Son of God who is there walking amidst them. So you understand this. Don't look at the rabbis. Don't look at Moses. Look at the Son of God who is now there, and you're missing it. You're missing it. And so turn to uh, verse 36 and 37 as we study this. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away oh what an assurance that is that if you come to Jesus Christ no matter what you've done no matter what your past is Jesus doesn't say let me see your resume let me determine how much of a sinner you are because you know what there's certain people I can't you just it's too much it's too much I can't save you it doesn't say that whosoever whosoever comes. You realize what a tremendous thing this is? And you're praying every day, God, give us this day our daily bread. Fill me with that lifeline. Fill me with this spiritual bread so that I can go out in this world and make a difference in this world. So that when people see me, I reflect the light of Jesus Christ so that when I speak to them, the words that I speak to them lift them up and affirm them 
and love them, not condemn them, not judge them, but lift them up and affirm them. And you understand what this is about. And so when we read these words here, we understand that, 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 that how important it is to understand what Jesus says. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Let's understand the dynamic here of what's going on, of the bread of life, how this all comes together in Jesus' teaching. When you understand what Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, and I am the bread of life. It all comes together, and I'll show you how it comes together. It comes together beginning in the Beatitudes. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Here it is. We started this months ago as we started this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. But now you see it again as it all comes together, as Jesus' teaching is rounded in. And we understand through the Holy Spirit exactly what God wants from us. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You understand what that is? Here's the poor in spirit. God, I need you. God, I need a savior. That's the blessed of the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit is the person who has looked deep within their heart, looked deep within their soul, and has seen a black abyss. They have recognized that they are evil, inherently evil. And in that self-introspection, at that moment, when they do that, they know that they have to reach out of the muck and mire of this sin-filled world and ask God for a savior. That's how the bread of life starts. And then look in, in the Beatitude in verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Look, is this a mourning of death in this world? No. No, it's not. This is a mourning of the spiritually bereft person who has taken account of their lives, who has looked at their soul, has determined that they are sin-filled, that they need the Savior, and at that moment that they do that, they're mourning. They're sorrowful because they recognize they're lost. They're condemned. They're going to drown in this sea of evil but for Jesus Christ. And so you see how it all comes together? How this very teaching of Jesus, beginning in the Beatitudes, comes together. And you understand exactly what, how God is teaching us, what the necessary aspect of this is. And understanding there, in verse 37, that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will never drive them away. Oh, oh, folks, when you read that verse... When you understand that this is Jesus speaking himself, don't worry about losing your salvation. You don't worry about losing your salvation because he's given you a lifeline, a preserver, that when you ask him, and he said that once the Father gives them to him, nobody will be lost because he holds on to you like no lifesaver in this world. He holds on to you. And here's the point of this. This is a daily walk. And as you walk and you take these truths in, and as you su submit yourself to God and you read the Bible and you pray in your daily walk, this is now the most incredible adventure of your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. The greatest adventure of your life because he's empowering you now 
to go out into this world and to make a difference. He's empowering you now in your family to be the example in your family to your children, to your wife, to your husband. He's empowering you to go into your golf club and be that difference in the golf club, to be that difference in your company, wherever you go. He's empowering you by the virtue of the daily bread aspect of this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, feed me today. I know I'm saved, but I need to come to you today. I need to get my ration today. I need my portion today. I'm weak. I'm draining. I have to live in this world, and it's taking all that I have to do that. And here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing to remember. That when you make this, this commitment, don't think it's everything's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, because here's the thing. You have now differentiated yourself from the rest of the world. You think Satan cares about the three-quarters of the world that are lost? He's got them. I'm going to spend my time on that. But the millions of the demons that are out there that were cast to the earth with Satan, now you are on their blackboard. Your name's on their blackboard. That's right. And I'm going to tell you something else. The more you make a commitment to get closer to God, to serve him in a more powerful way, to be a greater example for him, the more your name's going to be on the blackboard. That's the nature of what it is. And you know what I say? Good. Good. Let me serve God to the best of my ability, to the way he wants me, and he'll protect me. I'll put myself with God. I'll take myself with, I'll take my chances with God. I know God will protect me. I'm not caring about Satan. I know he's here. I know he's in this world. I know he's got a target on me. But you know what? I know who wins. I read the last page of the Bible. We win. We win. Let me tell you, folks, we win. And don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. So this lesson, this is one of the most powerful things that we can come to understand. Truly, give us this day our daily bread, and I am the bread of life. We'll continue this next week. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the words that you have given us. Lord, we are humbled. We are truly humbled when we understand what it is that you gave us, how you pulled us out of this evil world from the muck and mire of sin and called us to your side. Lord, we are so grateful. If we thanked you a thousand times a day, it wouldn't be enough. And Lord, I now ask you to multiply these words in our hearts so that we feed on them and mature and grow in every possible way. And now, Lord, I ask you that you protect these dear people who we love. Be with them in every possible way and bring them back safely to continue the study of your word next week. We put all these things in Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you all.